0: Good morning. I was looking online for a poem to start out with as we close this sermon series and my head instantly went to, and, and some of you guys are old enough to know this, the door song, the end. I don't know if you guys have read the lyrics, you can't say any of that in church. It's so inappropriate, so I wrote something myself. So here it goes, hopefully you guys like it. It's called, the end is near, do not live in fear. Hopefully I can get through it. The end is near, let us not live in fear. You can see in this world which makes our plea so severe. The end is near, so draw closer to him and then always adhere. The end is near, so don't regret the past, always looking in the rear view mirror. Let us be sure not to miss all the signs and live in the unclear. For Jesus is coming to bring peace, peace like a spear. The peace he brings will be peace that will continually persevere. So let our eyes see and let our ears hear. Make sure that we stand together and we don't, as we stand together, let the enemy interfere. Why? Because our perfect love of Christ works together to cast out all our fears. We must look to him every second, every day, throughout all the years. The end is near, so we must not just fall away and try and disappear. No, instead, we must, really, uh, must be ready to gather. Really gather, like on Easter Sunday for two services, all our peers. For revival, is here. Christ wants us to lift up a praise and give a shout of cheer. Let's hear it. So it's imminent to make sure that Christ is first with all of our deepest sincere. The time is now, the day is here, which has brought us all to this new frontier. It's called revival. So the end I speak of is for everyone. Let me be very clear. Believer and non-believer. We are all waiting for Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior to appear. All, and in the end Jesus will bring his grace and mercy to cover all of our fears. So the end is near. Now we have a reason not to live in fear. Amen, amen, and amen. I started writing poetry when I was locked up and I only can rhyme. I'm not cool enough to write without rhyme, but it's been something that I wish I would do more with. The end is near, and today we conclude this sermon series, Facing Our Fears, and I hope you've gotten something out of it. I have. I have so much joy and hope because I've looked at a lot of my fears, and I feel like God has given us something, so I hope you've received something, and more importantly, my prayer is that as you are interpreting what God is saying and done in the last seven to ten weeks, hopefully you'll understand that revival is starting to brew up. And God has called us all in this place, online, inside, to do something. For whatever reason, you and I are a part of something amazing. Aren't you excited about that? Yeah, that was really powerful. I feel really cheered up, yeah. So here's your job, here's my job. Let's just be open for the Holy Spirit right now. And watch him walk us through this day and watch us walk us through life and step into this new place. I just came back from Jerusalem and Jesus said, I'm in Camarillo, I'm in Ventura County, I'm in LA, I'm in Asheville, I'm in New York. You don't have to come but I'm glad you're here because I want you to be fired up when you come back to share with people that Jesus is alive everywhere and all we have to do is do our part. You need to, just like I need to, become passionate world changers for Jesus Christ. That's the vision of this church, that you walk in here and that you become passionate, burning with fire and glory from above because it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. So how do we do that? It begins with just loving people. The mission that God gave us from the beginning, love the world right where they're at. Everyone is welcomed in this church because we are gonna trust that whoever walks in, whatever they're wearing, whatever they look like, whatever they did last night, that the glory of God and the power of God and the spirit of God will transform him like he's transformed you and me because we trust in a big God and we believe that. So I'm super excited. Today we begin the last part of our sermon series and it comes Luke chapter 12. We have spent 10 weeks talking about our fears and now we're gonna step into a new place and we're gonna step into a new part of what God has for us. Here's what it says. Verse 54, 12 verse 54, then Jesus turned to the crowd. Finally, Jesus has been talking to the disciples for weeks now. Luke chapter 12, he's been talking to the disciples and teaching them, but there are thousands of people around him. And he receives one question from the crowd, but really he's been talking to the disciples. And now he says, okay, disciples, let me talk to the other people. And the truth is most of them were non-believers, And now he talks to them as, and here's what he says. He says, when you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. And you're right. And when the south wind blows, you say, today's going to be a scorcher. And it is. Let's stop right there. I'm going to turn off my mic. I'm going to ask you guys to just uh, pray for a second with whoever you are, just by yourself. Just ask God to speak to you. Ask God to help you become that world changer. And then I'll come back and pray. So let's pray right now. Lord, hear our prayers. Turn your hearts to our hearts and help us shine for your glory. Holy Spirit, minister to us all. As a movement of God is beginning, let these prayers be answered. Let those that have people that are lost be found. Let those that are struggling in addiction and disease be set free. Let those that are struggling in their relationships, and their marriage, find freedom. And let those that are lost in this world that find no hope and want to harm themselves be released in the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... Amen, we aren't gonna live in fear, but we are gonna live in faith because the glory of God is here and he's here today, burning inside of us, wanting to get out and release and set the captives free and that's where we begin today. Jesus has now turned to the others and he wants everybody here to interpret the times. Now, that's going to be kind of a theme that we're going to talk about, but sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. Jesus is saying, I am returning, and today we're going to talk about the fears of end times or the fears of what's happening in our present times. They're kind of two, but I think they all mean one, and you'll see it as the message kind of unfolds. Here's what God wants you and I to do. To do. Da do. do. He wants us to discern. Discern is a Christian word, and all that means is understand what is happening in the middle of our life right now. What is happening in your world? And I'm not talking about CNN or Fox News or OAN or MSNBC. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about what is happening in your home wherever you live. If it's in your car, if it's in your mega mansion with helicopters, doesn't matter. What is God doing in your life? That's the question we're trying to discern. Jesus, his listeners knew exactly what happened when the clouds formed over the Mediterranean Sea. A group of us were in Israel, and our first day we went to Tel Aviv, and we stayed, I was talking to my friend Burton, we stayed in this magnificent resort, and we woke up at like, I don't know, four in the morning, because we couldn't sleep, and we were looking out of the Mediterranean Sea, and when clouds form. A storm comes, and that's what Jesus is communicating. You see the storm on the Mediterranean Sea, you know a storm's coming. And then when you feel the warm wind blew from the Arabian desert, the heat wave was coming. We have that same kind of stuff here, right? When you see the clouds over the Pacific Ocean, we're kind of in the same latitude as Israel. Actually, San Diego is in the exact latitude, but we have that same. So we look over the Pacific, and when you see clouds, we're like, oh, we might get some rain. Usually not, but this year, yeah, we're going to get some. And also, when you feel that east wind, right? We're like, oh man, Santa Ana, it's not a good golf weather day. But not only that, in, in, in Ventura County, you know what we fear when east winds, we fear fires. So you guys and, 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 and the people in the Bible, Jesus says, you guys understand what's happening. Here's what he says, you fools. That's not a very nice word. Think about going to your work tomorrow and Monday morning and go, you fools. You're probably not gonna be the first in line at the coffee. You go into Starbucks, you fools. Jesus is giving a very strong word to those that can interpret things around him. He says this, you fools, you, do, you know how to interpret the, uh, the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. And I don't know if we do either. And I'm saying we as in me. And we have to open up our Bible, and we have to open up our hearts, and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to understand, how do we interpret what's happening before us today? And that's what God really wants us to understand. Today, there are so many signs that seem like Jesus is ready to return, right? If we look at our end time prophecy, it seems like Jesus is ready to return, but does he want us to focus on the end time, or does he want us to focus on our present time? There's tension here. He wants us to understand what's happening even we know that stuff in the future is coming. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of like this. I, I play golf a couple days a week, and uh, one of my buddies thinks he's a weatherman. And so he has all this wisdom and ideas of the weather, right? And so when I looked at the weather today, I also looked like, well, what is Wednesday going to look like because I want to play golf? And what is fr- uh, Friday going to look like because I want to play golf? But I kind of forgot what the weather looked like today when I looked too far ahead in the 10-day forecast. And I don't know if you guys have ever looked today's weather and then looked at the 10-day, and then 10 days it's completely different because things change. So that's kind of a theme that I want to walk through this message today is let's not just look at today's weather, but we're gonna look a little bit at the 10 day, but I really believe it's God wanting us to come back and look at what's happening in our present lives. As we explore the Bible, as we open it up from front to back, from Genesis to Revelation, there's really three things that we see throughout the Bible, and it's not in every book, but it's in some books, and here's what we see. Uh, is this that there's history the first part of the bible if you know your bible is history there's a lot of history the first five books and then first and second samuel and first kings a lot of history of of kings and stuff so there's a lot of history and then there's stuff that actually has words that say that it's for today there's present especially when you get into the new testament the new testament also has history matthew mark luke and john the historical walk of jesus christ but then there's words that come from the future that we're supposed to discern and understand but but really that 10 day forecast is also to look and what's happening for us today all Christ wants us to do as we read his bible and it's got history and it's got stuff for present day and it's got future prophetic writings is to build the ultimate powerful beautiful relationship with him not a tradition not I go to church for an hour and I leave and come back, I put a few bucks in, I sang a song, I took a cracker, the juice was good, but a relationship. Just like if you have a baby or a child, you have a relationship, it grows into something. If you marry a woman or a man, you have a relationship and it grows into something. You meet a best friend or a friend and it grows into something special. He wants to build a relationship that you cherish, that you grow with, and then it helps you live your life and makes your life better. That's who Christ is. And as we read the Bible, we need to understand that. So today I want to look forward for the next few minutes about what is coming. But I also want to bring it back and make it part of how we interpret uh, today's day, in times versus the present time. So there's about five things in the Bible that most of us have heard. Maybe two of them really stand out. But there's a few things in the prophetic writings that talk about Jesus' return. And a lot of us, or some of us, get really concerned and live in fear of end times. Like, am I ready? Am I right? Do I know what's happening? Am I really interpreting it correctly? So let's go through some of these end time fears, but let's bring it back to today. So it says, the first one is, the Bible talks about a desecration of holy places, and, and in that, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, this is, you can't do this in 20 minutes, it could be like a 12-week to, to semester class, but it talks about the desecration of holy places, or uh, another one talks about a new temple, a third rebuild of a temple, and then they're going to destroy it again. The truth is, over time, we've seen this happen. Uh, I'm going to put up a picture of the Temple Moriah. This is actually where we were at. This is on the backside of Israel. Uh, this isn't the normal picture. This is at uh, Caiaphas' house where Jesus was arrested. The Black Dome is an actual mosque, a mosque, I'm sorry, in the same area where the Temple Moriah is the Golden Dome. They've desecrated what we consider God's temple, with a Muslim mosque over it, but here 's what the Bible says to kind of help us understand it there 's desecration of these holy spaces. The day is coming, Matthew 2415, when you will see what Daniel spoke about, uh, the, Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration in the standing holy place. Listen to what it says at the end. Reader pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening in front of you. Pay attention to what's going on in your life. Pay attention to what you see, not just the future writings, but what's happening in your life. That one's probably the least obscure that maybe we don't talk about a lot in church, but that's one of the things that's happening in the future. And you have seen, I don't know if you guys remember during the war in ISIS, that they were going and, and destroying some of the uh, the Bez, Byzantine um, uh, holy sites. A couple hundred years after Christ, they had all these Byzantine and the the people in ISIS were destroying them and doing horrible things in the, the holy grounds. And so some of that has already happened in defiled holy sites. The second one is kind of interesting. It talks about, in in prophecy, it talks about the Bible, uh, uh, this dominating world group of nations coming together. And really, this is like the heir to the Roman Empire. At one point, the Roman Empire was the largest, and all these countries bowed down to the Roman Empire and all their power. Well, they're talking about another one. Maybe it's NATO. Maybe it's the European Union. Maybe Probably hasn't occurred yet, but here's what Revelation says. Seventeen says the ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have not yet risen in power. Who have risen to power? They will be appointed to the kings for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will all agree to give him their power and authority. All the nations are going to give him the power and authority. Together they will go to war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will defeat them because he is the Lord of all lords and the King of all kings, and his called, you know who that is? Us. His called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him because we are on the side of victory. Yeah, amen. Here's the third one. This is probably the one that we most talk about here in our society today. It's about this single world leader rising up. And again, here's what it says. This is the one that we fear. And if you've been following politics, this has been happening for at least 25 years. Every new leader comes up, oh, that's Satan. I didn't vote for that one. But they've been saying this is Satan for years. But here's what it says. Thessalonians 2, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. The man will come to do the work of Satan counterfeit uh, with Satan with counterfeit power, signs, and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth of Jesus Christ who saves us. So there's gonna be a world leader that rises up and they've been saying for the last 25 years, it's this, it's that, it's him, it's her, it's this, it's that, and they've been pointing... It's, hap- it's going to happen. I don't know if we've seen it yet, but I promise you, if you've been following religious politics, they've been calling it out for years. Uh, the third one comes along with this one. It's called a false religion. Again, Thessalonians says this, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. Don't be fooled... By what they say. For the day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God. The man of lawlessness is is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God, little g, and uh, every object of worship. He will sit in the temple of God, big G, and call himself, claiming that he is God. So, there's this man that's going to rise up, and then there's going to be one that rises up and says, Hey, I'm God. Worship me. There's just going to be this new religion. And we've got to be weary of making sure that we aren't going to where our ears are tickled. And so, here's the last one, and I'm going to bring it all together in just a second. There's the one, and this is the, the two that we really fear is the man rising up in this last one. There's this forced economic system. Everybody, pull out your Apple iPhone. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> who's bitten in the apple here today here's what it says For revelations 13 15 to 9 uh, 15 to 17 he this evil person will require small and great rich and poor free and slave to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead and no one can buy or sell anything without the mark which is either the name of the beast or a number representing his name so you're gonna be forced into buying this. So this is the things that we fear about. And, and the truth is, in 20 minutes, you can't really give what we call an eschatology. You can't really understand it because there's so many things. I was sitting with my friends uh, yesterday, Eric and Gina, and we were talking about it. And there's like so much to the end times. You believe in post, pre, mid, whatever you believe, what's your eschatology, there's a lot more to do it. The point is this. When we get in our 10-day forecast and are worried about end times, we're missing what God's doing in the present. When we look in our past and are stuck in our historical past of things that we've done, we're missing out on the present. I don't need to look at the 10-day forecast. I I need to trust that God is gonna work in my life today. And whatever the forecast is, my job is to be prepared and ready. Futuristic writings are to engage me so that I am prepared today for the coming battle or the glory that God has for us. Does that make sense? And why? How do I know that? Well, here's what Jesus says. In Matthew 24 and 25, some of the scariest writings to me in the Bible, it's worse than for me than Revelation because it talks about Christians like me and you. Here's what Jesus says in the red letters at the end of the chapter. He says, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son himself. Only God does. The architect, the creator, the one who breathes life and creates. Only God knows, and so my job is not to, what we call, it's not really a Christian saying, but we do this, is read the tea leaves. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to just stay with what's present, and that's what Jesus is saying. Do you know how to interpret today's weather? Today's times? Do you see revival happening in your house and in your community? And if it's not, then we need to bring that together so that we can understand it. Jesus wants us to reflect in what, uh, what this all means. It reminds me of a Bible study. Me and Jeremy, uh, a friend Brian Munca, a friend Manny, I think my dad was there. And we did this Bible study and this guy came in and he had some sort of governmental clearance that he could see stuff that not the average Google follower could do. And he brought this, and for like six or eight weeks—I don't remember how long it was—at 6:30 in the morning, we did this man-men's Bible study. I don't know. At 6:30, none of us had a job. We didn't need to be up that early. Uh, but this guy comes and he had unbelievable uh, research that he does. He brought out like 50 verses and he brought out maps and he started talking about all this stuff and you know, uh, Prussia and Prussia and Gog and Magog and how it all worked and it was incredible. And then the last day I was so excited. I'm like, finally, I don't know much about Revelation. I was so excited like, hey, today he's gonna bring it all together and it's gonna make sense. And at one point he just goes, okay, that's all I got. And we all sat there and went, I'm not kidding. And I'm dumb enough to go, well, what does it all mean? And you know what the guy said? I have no idea. I just do the research. And I'm like, what? It's like going to the doctor and he rips open my chest and pulls out my heart, pulls out my lungs and my uh, uh, pancreas uh, pancreas and my appendix and puts all the body parts out. And he goes, yeah, it doesn't look good. What do we do? I have no idea, and then walks away. <laughs> Sometimes we get so far into what we call bunny trails or rabbit trails that it gets us out of the glory of God and away from what God is trying to communicate to us. Here's the reflection point. Prophecy in the Bible or the book of Revelation is not meant to be a sacred uh, secret code that you decode. You, know, you send in that little decoder ring and you get to answer all the problems. That's not what it's meant to do. It's really meant for something else. When we look at Revelation, it's to bring us hope. It's to bring us hope about the coming age when Christ does the final work and we're going to see that today. It's to help me live today in a stronger place. The point of Revelation in the book, it has history, it's got stuff that's for the present time and it also has future writings, all three in the same book. And so not all of it is for in time, some of it is historical. The seven churches were real churches. And so there was historical. So can it be a symbol for something? Maybe, we just don't know. The point is this. If you read the book of Revelation, the kingdom of God or the kingdoms in this world will ultimately become Babylon. That's what he's trying to communicate. The kingdoms all become corrupt like Babylon. And take the, take money and power and status more important than godliness. And in the end, God wants us, don't worry about the kingdoms, worry about the promise that God has for us. Jesus simply wants us to be attentive to the different signs to live in God's Word and understand how it works so that my relationship with God is right and righteous. The call of Christians is not to fear the end times or to flee from it and hide in a bunker with all kinds of MREs. Is that right? I was going to say MRIs, but let's do MREs instead. But we are to engage the Holy Spirit as we read so that we can live in the power of God because God is in charge. He's got it all worked out. My redemption, our redemption is secure so that we can be confident and not live in fear and read the times as what they are. That we are all believers, the revival is on the uh, the cusp, and all we need to do is get right with God. Isaiah 41 is a verse of comfort. I don't know if you've ever read it. I'm sure you know the back end of it. It says that you will walk and, and, and soar like wings like eagles. That's the end of it. But in the middle of it, it says this. And it, think about your dad. And I'm talking about your father in heaven, dad. And you're in the greatest moment of fear. Maybe death or, or divorce or a disease has come into your life. And here's what daddy in heaven wants to say to you. Uh, Isaiah 41 13 for I am the Lord your God who takes a hold of your right hand and says to you don't fear my child I'm with you don't worry about the end times my child read them love them But realize today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and your Father has your hand and we're glad in it because I can live for the glory of today and receive what God has for me today knowing in the end what God has for us all. Yeah? Yeah. All right, verse 57. It kind of changes but and, and, and kind of moves into something different, but it's still talking about end times. Why can't we decide for yourself what is right? There's a point in Christianity where it says, Christians shouldn't sue other Christians. Christians shouldn't argue with other Christians. If you have a problem with another Christian, you should get together with some sort of mediator that you guys both trust and deal with your own issue. I was always taught when I graduated college that my friend Larry said, If you can't make a decision in 24 hours confidently, you're never going to be comfortable in that decision making. You're going to make a decision, oh, was that the right decision? And he said, just make a decision and deal with whatever it is. And as a Christian, you make a decision with God's blessing and God's confidence and peace, and you trust in it, and it will work out however God puts it together. That's what he's saying, and that's not exactly what he's saying here, but I wanted to put that in because we have the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave... We have the same Holy Spirit that brought Paul from a killer to a converter of Christians to a church planner. the same Holy Spirit that allowed John of Patmos to write the book of Revelation and Daniel to receive some spiritual writings. We have that same Holy Spirit to break down the conflicts that we might have with one another, especially if we believe in the same Lord that mediates everything together. Cheers. Verse 58, this is an illustration. When you are on away the court with your accuser, try to settle the matter before you get there. Smart. Otherwise, your accuser will drag you before the judge who will hand you over to an officer who will throw you into prison. Not fun if you've never been there. And if that happens you won't be free until you pay, pay the very last penny. It reminds me of the story, I don't know if you guys know your Bible, but in Matthew chapter 18 at the end, there's a story about the unforgiving debtor. And at the unforgiving debtor, he basically goes before the king and he owes millions of dollars to the king and he throws himself on the, mer- court, uh, the mercy of the court and the king and he says, I don't have the money, nobody's paid me, have mercy. And he falls down and he cries and the king's like, all right, you're forgiven. And his debt was forgiven. When then the guy goes out and does what every righteous man does, he finds all the people that owe him money and he starts throwing them in jail until they pay him back. That's the story. And at the end, the king hears about it and he throws him back in jail and says, Listen, how rude are you? I forgave you and now you're not forgiving anybody else. And he says, hey, you're gonna go to court and, until you pay the very entire debt. And he goes, this is, and Jesus says, this is how your father will be unless you learn to forgive. It's the same in the end, it's the same kind of story. And I wanna talk about this illustration because Jesus is using this illustration to show us about God's judge, judgment day. There's an analogy here that God is bringing an offer settlement to this world before judgment day. And that offered settlement is Jesus on the cross. He's trying to rectify a problem in this world by bringing uh, an offering to settle before the judgment day. And that's what we see here. This was done before the end times. And it's one of the things that we celebrate and sing. Jesus has paid it all on the cross for you and I. That's something to celebrate, right? He's paid it all for you and I so that we can have that relationship with God so that we can have this meaningful relationship. But here's what verse 59 says. Let's read this a little bit more in detail because it says something more here. It says, and if this happens, you won't be free until you paid the very last penny. What does that mean? Maybe your text, if you're reading out of your own Bible, says might, like the widow's might. It's the same idea. Here's the main point of what Jesus is getting to in this analogy. Either you pay the cost in hell or Jesus pays the cost for you for heaven. Let me say that again if you missed it. Either you pay, when I go out to dinner, I like when my friends pay. The food tastes so much better. (laughs) Like my wife bought my dinner for my birthday last night. You know how good it was? It tastes, every morsel I just ate and chewed it up like a little bird. Just every chewing bite because she bought me dinner for my birthday. It was delicious. Either you pay in hell your own fee or you have Jesus pay it. You make that choice. And here's what it is. Jesus reminds us, and this is interesting, that there's a penalty Not, of not settling with God before judgment day. That's what he's saying here. Look at, read the text. There's a penalty here. There's an urgency to get your heart right, to get your spirit right with God. Repent and, uh, and get rid of that unforgiveness. Let go of that resentment. Let go of that child. Let go of your marriage. Let go of that addiction and give it to God and watch him fix it so that you can be right and repent and be whole and live in the glory of God for the glory of God. or you go to hell and pay for it yourself. There's some sort of monetary or some sort of payment that you are gonna do forever. Jesus is alluding, there's something that you're gonna have to do. You're just not gonna go there for free. You're gonna have to do something here. And it reminds me of a story. This is a real story. Uh, a guy who's an agnostic. An agnostic doesn't believe in hell, doesn't believe in, in, in heaven, just kind of s- is sitting in the middle. This agnostic has a dream. And in this dream, this is a real dream, this is a real story, you can find it online. He has this dream. And in this dream, there's a field. And in this field, there's a wall. And on the wall, there's enough to stand on. And so in this dream, on one side are the Jesus freaks. Let me hear them. We heard you online, too. Welcome. Um, On one side, you see the Jesus freaks, and the the agnostic looks to them and says, I don't know, and he looked at Jesus. He says, he doesn't look all that important, but you could see the glory in it. The Bible tells us Jesus isn't uh, beautiful in our eyes. He's just Savior. It's different. He's like, nah, that's not for me. And then he looks to the other side, and he sees Satan. But he doesn't see Satan with the pitchfork and the horns. That's what we see in cartoons. But what he sees with, he sees this very slick guy, dressed up, very nice, flying Lear jets with helicopter pads and Lamborghinis. He looks at this guy and everything this man says, everybody's like, wow, it's powerful. It's not the Satan that you and I know. It's a slick, scheming person. And he looks at him and he goes, ah, I don't like that either. There's something wrong with that guy. And so he goes, I'm just gonna stand on the fence. So he's standing on the fence, and something happens in the dream, and poof, everybody's gone. And he's like, what happened? He's standing on the fence. Now he's in this field, and he's like, "Well." And then Satan walks over, and he says, you're with me. And he goes, no, I'm on the fence. I don't believe one way or another. And he goes, the fence is mine, and so you are mine too. When you stand on the fence, you still got to make that payment. And you know what? The guy woke up, called the friend that had been evangelizing him for 20 years and accepted Jesus that very moment when he woke up. That's what we do with God. We have to understand that hell is eternal. The payment is required for sin. We as humans have an imperfect relation, uh, walk because we have sin in our life and we need a savior to help us. So whatever I bring to the Lord is imperfect and it won't, sa- it won't satisfy that. All I can do is cling to my Lord and savior and trust that God sent that perfect savior for me so that I can have that perfect sacrifice. So what do you need to know? What does hell look like? What does the Bible say about hell? We're talking about end times. We might as well just bring it all in then. Let's talk about hell too as we close. Here's what the Bible says. Four things you need to know about hell. Number one is the punishment of hell is eternal. It's eternal. The second thing is the torment of hell is forever. That's what the Bible says. These aren't my words. Number three, the fires of hell cannot be quenched. They will be burning forever, and you've got to worry about that. They don't get quenched by something. You've got to realize that only Christ can elevate you. And the last one is, this is interesting to me. You should look it up. It says that even when you go to hell, you get a new body, because this body is going to wither away and turn back to dust. But in hell, the Bible says, well, you're going to have this body that allows you to kind of burn in hell. It's interesting. You will be suited to endure this punishment, and you will have to make that payment. The point of the message today is this. Don't live in fear of end times. I'm more worried about getting you to have fear of what's going on before you today. As we open up our text, Jesus is saying, don't fear, live in faith and let the glory of God cover us and let the spirit of God lead us. There should be a healthy anticipation, and read the, the the signs of what's happening. And here's the signs: uh, we had this amazing prayer uh, meeting today, and uh, a friend came over and gave us a word. It was incredible. And and one of the things that was said is the Ashbury kind of revival had to disband because the community was getting crushed. And it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It means it goes out into all of the world, and we then get to be a part of it. It's not just in one place. If we allow it, revival can be anywhere and everywhere and god wants to start it today and all you've got to do is get right before the king and let the glory of god bring that in and bring you to the to to the to the cross and saying clean me and, and and heal me and don't let me stop living and loving for you lord Facing our fears is critical to live in the clear. So let your eyes see and let your ears hear. Make sure we stand together in church so we don't let the enemy interfere. We come together so that we're stronger together. And when I come riddled with the enemy on my back, I come and I have people pray and walk with me and lift me up and that's why we come to church. So that the enemy doesn't interfere because our perfect love of christ works together in this place when we're together to cast out all our fears we are all waiting for jesus our lord and savior to reappear come lord jesus in the end christ will bring victory in the end We stand together. In the end, He will bring grace and mercy. And then that grace and mercy, it covers all of our fears, all of our failures. And we receive the glory from above. So the end is near. And now, as we close out this sermon series, we shall not live in fear. So let's not live in fear. Let's pray. Father, there's someone here today that felt you for the first time, maybe in a long time. And I pray that you speak boldly to them and that you bring them to a place, Holy Spirit, that ushers in forgiveness and grace. Father, I pray that those that have disease and sickness in the name of Jesus Christ, you wash it clean by your blood and there's healing in the name of Jesus. For that addiction that's taking a a stronghold in someone's life, you're released in the name of Jesus and we praise you for that. And Father, for those that are lost and living in the unclear online and in here that don't know Jesus or that just aren't connected to the one who lives from above and his name is Jesus Christ, all you got to do is say a prayer. And invite him in. And here's the prayer. All you got to do is repeat it. And you're living in the clear. Waiting for Jesus to appear. And says this. Father forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul. And be my Lord and Savior. You died upon the cross for me. And you paid that penalty. So I don't have to pay it. And you rose again. So that I can have eternal life. And beyond that. That I can be ushered into heaven. And live in that eternal life with you. Receive me, Lord. And Lord, I ask that you allow the Holy Spirit to take over your mind, body, and soul, that you receive this blessing, this baptism of the Spirit, so that you can follow Jesus all the days of your life. We love you, King Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Do you guys want to do communion today? Let's do communion today. The Lord... uh, woke me up early and said, I want you to read this part in Revelation because this is the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Whatever you know about end time, here's what you need to know. Revelation 21, it's called the New Jerusalem. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And then I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God, out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And here's the important part. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, sorrow, crying or pain and all these things will be gone forever. And sitting on the throne, he said, look, I am making everything new. Who needs new today? Amen. I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said this, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to all who are thirsty I will give freely from the springs of water of life and all who are victorious will inherit these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my people. As we come before God and we worship him, these communion elements are anointed by him so that you can clean yourself up, that you can get right with God, that you can remember what he did on the cross by the blood and you can, uh, by the body, uh, and then you can drink the juice and remember how his blood washes you clean. So as we sing this song and celebrate Christ, come up and get right, get ready, and get excited because revival is coming, and this church is going to explode, and the glory of God is going to rise up. Let's praise Him.